will need those later on in the service, so it's not just scratch paper or to put your grocery list on or anything like that. It's something we're going to use here. As, as I said earlier, we weren't, some of us, six of us were not here last week. And um, if you were here last Sunday night, you heard five people talk about men's retreat. But there was one you did not hear, and I'm sure he's thinking, well, I got away with it. <laughs> I know. But he did not get away. So, Raymond, I want you to come up here. <laughs> come on. Uh, no, 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 no. Well, you just have to be right here. Oh. Well, I'll, I'll move them. I might need to sit down, huh? speaker again this year. Uh, this is his third year, which, no, fourth year. Fourth. Third. Third, third year. They're only supposed to speak for two, but the Lord made way to wind up having him come back again this year, and I know why, because he had a fantastic message. And I wanted to read the scripture here. Uh, the scripture he read from was Exodus 17. And that's what most of his message was, was through uh, during the weekend. But on Sunday morning, I opened up my devotional book, and the devotional was on 1 Peter uh, 8 through 11, and dealt right along with what he was speaking about for the weekend. And so I know that the Lord was working a mighty way the whole weekend. But the scripture says, uh, that's 1 Peter 3, no, 4, 8 through 11. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in, the, in this victorious form. If anyone speaks, they should speak, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things,
I think you spoke longer than anybody else, which is good. No, that's good. You get Raymond in a mic, you never know what's going to happen, huh? I thought he might shoot out in song or something, too. It was a great weekend that we had, and as someone said last week, we encourage all men, a part of the church, to come to a retreat. It's a good time. In the second book in the New Testament, we come to one of the top ten miracles in the life of Jesus. It's a familiar story, I'm sure, to to most of us. It's the story where four men make a hole in a roof and lower their paralyzed friend until he's hanging on a mat in front of Jesus. These four friends dug a skylight in a house so that they could get their friend to Jesus. But this same skylight also allowed Jesus to see these four men. And this unintentional skylight filled the whole house with bright light from the sun. Part of your job and part of my job as a follower of Jesus is to build skylights to bring light to dark places. This morning, I'm going to challenge all of us to apply for a job. For a job working in a company that's been around longer than any other company we can possibly think of. It's called Faith Skylight Company. If you've ever had a job interview or filled out an employment application, you know it can be a nerve-wracking experience. You can go online now and you can find some humorous statements that people have made during some job interviews, and I did that, and here are some of those. Question was, have you submitted your two-week notice to your current employer? What, what's a two-week notice? I've never quit a job before. I've always been fired. Why were you fired from your last job? I was fired from my last job because they were forcing me to take anger management classes. And getting at the, end, at the end of the interview, a prospective hire said, if I get the job, how long before I have till I have to take a drug test? When can you start this new job? And the prospective employee said, well, I need to check with my mom first on that. If you had one thing to say about yourself, the prospective employee said, it's best for your other employees if I don't work with people. In your last job, were you always on time? Well, I'd rather prefer to work for a company that is very lax on tardiness. And the last one I found is, do you have any questions? Well, what do you want me to do if I can't walk to work when it's raining? Are you going to pick me up? Kind of crazy questions, but I seriously doubt that any of those applicants got the job that they were applying for when they were there. But this morning, let's read about four friends who started a company that's been around for many, many years. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. 
And we'll begin in verse 1. Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowered lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We had never seen anything like this. There are five important things that I see in this story this morning that we all need to see. But I also have questions concerning this story. I wonder what the homeowner must have said when he sees his ceiling starting to crumble. Dirt and the dust starts falling on Jesus and everyone in the room. I think if we were the homeowner, we would have probably asked, who's going to pay for all of this mess? But we see these four guys creating a skylight in this guy's home. I can't imagine Jesus could keep talking for there were so many distractions going on. But because he knew he knows all things, he realized what was happening. And I wonder if this paralyzed man felt fear, felt any fear by being lowered by ropes to hang on a mat in front of Jesus. But I think the main focus of this wonderful miracle here should be on these four unnamed men who brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And for a long time I have read and I've studied this passage, but lately I saw something very important in this story that I have not seen before. In verse 5 it says, When Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw the faith of those four friends. This morning you might be saying in your mind, but pastor, what about Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews 11 says, what is faith? It is a confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things yet we cannot see. But according to Jesus, faith can be seen. So, can Jesus see 
your faith? Can he see mine? Do we have an invisible faith or is our faith a visible faith? These four guys formed this company, the Faith Skylight Company, that day. And I believe that God wants you and I to be a part of this company. And at this point, you might be, again, saying to yourself many things. Pastor's a little crazy today. What's he saying? What's he going to do? Or maybe you might be saying, what does it take to be a part of of this company. So you probably this morning want to know what the job description is in this company in order to be a part of this company. Here it is. Creating skylights so people can meet Jesus. That's it. Creating skylights so people can meet Jesus. We know that carpenters, when they build homes, they'll build the skylights so the light of the sun can brighten a dark place in a home. And when we become a part of this company, we get to create openings so the light of the sun, S-O-N, can brighten a dark place in someone's heart. And if you're interested in being a part of this company, here are the requirements we have to meet. First one, we have to care about hurting people. The story in Mark 2 begins with this statement. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man. These four men had a friend or maybe it was a relative who was suffering. He was paralyzed and there was no way he could get to Jesus on his own. These friends had heard that Jesus was in Capernaum and they were convinced Jesus could help their friend. They had an unshakable faith in Jesus. This morning, do we do we have an unshakable faith in Jesus? There once was a boy named Billy. Billy was playing baseball one afternoon. He was playing third base. And Billy's uncle walked up to him as he was playing and said, Billy, what's the score? Billy pounded his glove and said, 42 to nothing, their favor. Billy's uncle said, you're getting beat pretty badly, aren't you, Billy? Billy looked at him and smiled and said, nope, because we haven't been up to bat yet. You see, these four friends believed that if they could somehow get their friend to Jesus, that Jesus can make all the difference to their lives. And all around us, be it a next door neighbor, a family member, a classmate, a teacher, the one behind the counter at Walmart or at G's, the waitress at the place that we're going to eat at this afternoon, someone we work with. For we are surrounded by hurting people. But the question today is, do we really care enough to bring them to Jesus? Do we really care enough to bring them to Jesus? For you see, there was probably hundreds of sick and weak people in Capernaum that day. But these four men concentrated 
on just one. That's good advice for us this morning. This morning you have a three by five card. And I want you to get that out along with a pencil or a pen or a crayon or whatever you can find. And I want you to write someone's name on here that you can bring to Jesus. I'll give you a minute to write a person's name. And keep that with you. And maybe you're thinking, how can I bring a person to Jesus? Jesus was in the house of Capernaum, and now he's ascended to heaven. How can I bring a hurting friend to Jesus? Very simple. You can bring your hurting friend to church next Sunday. For this must be the place where all people can find hope and healing and help. But we really have to believe that Jesus can make a difference. And then we've got to care enough to bring them to Jesus. For there are hurting people living in darkness all around us. And in order to be a part of this company, we've got to take, we've got to care enough for that one that we've written down just now. And that we will do everything we can in six days to give them the light of Jesus, to bring them back next Sunday. Think of the ones you wrote down today. And I don't know how many people we have here, maybe 60 people. Let's say everybody who wrote something down, I hope everybody did, you invited that person to come. And they came. Guess what? There would be 120 people sitting here Next Sunday morning, 120. Maybe you invite two. But let's just focus on one right now. Let's focus on the one that you wrote on your card. That we will do everything we can and bring them next Sunday morning. I'm going to do everything I can to bring this person. Yes, it's going to take some work. Yes, it's going to say, turn the television off, turn this off, and focus on inviting someone, calling them, talking to them. Second thing we have to do, we have to be willing to work as a team. The Bible says this paralyzed man was carried by four of them. These four men worked as a team as they did what none of them could have done by themselves. Can you imagine one of the friends trying to carry the paralyzed man? Two or three might have been able to do it, but because that mat he was lying on had four corners, the team of four people made perfect sense. In the book Leading Congregational Change, James Furr says, it is teamwork that makes the dreams work. Someone once said that the word team, T-E-A-M, stands for Together, everyone 
accomplishes more. I want you to think back to 2014 if you're a sports fan. 2014, the Super Bowl, the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks. The Broncos were favorite to win that game by a large margin. But they were embarrassed by the Seahawks by a score of 43-8. to What happened? The Broncos had superstars like DeMarcus Ware, Wes Walker, Peyton Manning. Several of the Broncos players had Super Bowl experiences and rings to show it. But not a single player on the Seattle Seahawks roster ever played in the Super Bowl before. Except for this one on 2014. The difference? Teamwork. That year's Super Bowl MVP Malcolm Smith was interviewed after the game and asked the secret of the team's success. He said it was the focus of every player on the team not to be an individual star. The Seahawks didn't have a bunch of superstars. They had a group of players committed to play as a team. Malcolm Smith, the MVP, came out of USC. He was told that he was slow and undersized. He was drafted in the seventh round of the NFL draft and probably only because Coach Pete Carroll had coached him at USC. Smith said Coach Carroll preached teamwork in every practice. And even when the practices were over, the players and the coaches didn't go and leave their separate ways. They stressed teamwork on and off the field. That 2004 Super Bowl win was a tribute to the value of teamwork. Someone has given a great definition of teamwork. We may not have it all together, but together we have it all. That's the value of being a part of a church and being part of a denomination. That's our team. Being a follower of Jesus was never meant to be done alone. We need one another. I need you and you. And you, and you, and you. Yes, in some crazy way, you need me too. You need me too. So if we want to be a part of this Faith Skylight Company, we must be willing to work as a team. Third, we must see obstacles as opportunities. In verse 4, it says his team of friends faced several obstacles. They could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. The first obstacle was the crowd. The streets between the houses in those days were so narrow that barely enough for two people to go in between them, walking side by side. The house was full and the narrow streets were filled with people wanting to catch the words of Jesus inside the house. Secondly, there's the obstacle of the house itself. Those houses back then were built with a black basalt stone and covered with plaster. There was only one door and there was only a few small windows cut at the top of the walls under the ceiling. There was no back door or any other windows to bring in a stretcher. 
Thirdly, the roof of the house was another obstacle. On top of the stone walls, wooden timbers were used as ceiling joists. A a mixture of palm leaves, mud, and clay were mixed into a thick mortar and placed in layers between the timbers. When each layer dried, another layer was added until there was a thick, waterproof roof. The more palm leaves were placed on top of the roof. These roofs were thick and hard as stone. But these four friends that day didn't let obstacles stop them. They saw these obstacles as opportunities. They kept on moving towards Jesus, not away from Him. How do we react? What do we do when we're confronted with an obstacle in our lives? Many people see an obstacle as God's way of saying stop. But obstacles are often simply opportunities for our faith to be seen. When Moses led the children of Israel, they came to the Red Sea and faced that obstacle in Exodus chapter 13. If they had thought like some that day and listened to some of the people that day, they would have said, I guess God wants us to go back to Egypt. Or He wouldn't have placed this obstacle in front of us. God put the obstacle there for them to see His glory. Moses took that rod and he touched that water and that obstacle opened up and they were able to walk on dry land. Have there been times in your life when you've given up? When an obstacle has been in your way? Sometimes things we think are the worst things can happen turn in the very best. Early in the 1900s, the cotton crop was known as king in the southern part of the United States. As a primary crop, cotton brought prosperity to the south. But about 1920s, there was a terrible insect that came from Texas called the boll weevil. It destroyed the whole cotton crops of the south. And by 1925, all the cotton farmers were flat broke. But one farmer soon decided to plant a new plant from South America called a peanut. And soon the cotton farmers had begun growing thousands and thousands of acres of peanuts. And they started making more money from peanuts than they ever did from cotton. Many people would have seen the bull weevil as an obstacle. But many saw it as a unique opportunity In fact, you can drive into a few of the city squares today and you will see a monument of a bull weevil. We've got to see obstacles as an opportunity. Fourth, we need to look for creative ways to solve problems. Yes, there were obstacles, but these four men of faith found a way to overcome these obstacles. In verse 4 it says, They made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. I wonder today, if those four men, those men of faith, their conversation went something like this. Wow, that's a lot of people. We can't get in the front door. Another one says, you're right. Hey, look, see those stairs to the roof? 
Nobody's up there. Let's go up there. So they carefully carry the cot with their friend on it. They get to the roof and they see the thick timbers with the dried mud and the leaves between the timbers. That's too thick to go with our hands. They put their friend down and they tell him, don't move, we'll be right back. And one returns with a hoe from a garden. Another from an axe for cutting trees. The third returns with a shovel. The fourth returns with four strands of rope. They start chopping and digging through the roof. They're not concerned about the expenses of the damages. Desperate faith leads people to do desperate things. Their only thought was to get their friend to Jesus. Church, we're always going to face problems in our lives and even in the church. But people of faith should always be looking for ways to solve problems. There once was a businessman from New York City who was going to take a month-long vacation to London, England. He went to his local bank and asked to borrow $1,000 for his trip. He even drove his new Cadillac as collateral. He was a good customer at the bank. So they gave him his money. And when he returned, he paid back the full $1,000 plus $6 interest. The banker said, I'm curious. You've got plenty of money. I wonder, why did you want to borrow $1,000 for your trip? The man said, where else can I park my new Cadillac? In a safe place in New York City for $6 a month. He was thinking creatively. And so think about the one whose name you wrote down on that piece of paper. And I'm sure that you know more than one friend, one family member who needs Jesus. But we might need to think of some creative ways even this week to shine the light of Jesus on that person. Maybe you need to invite them over for a movie night. A time of dinner. Maybe you need to send them a note in the mail telling how much you care about them and that you're praying for them. We need to come up with creative ways to solve some of the problems we face. The last one. We don't need to quit even when we're criticized. What would you do if someone started digging a hole in your roof? Probably call the sheriff's department. What if someone was digging a hole in your neighbor's roof? We'd probably call the sheriff's department after we took pictures and posted it on Facebook. I think it's reasonable to think that this homeowner or the neighbor of the house probably yelled up to the men to say, stop destroying the roof. But they didn't stop. They kept on digging. They kept on getting that hole. Jesus didn't tell them to stop either. Why? Because Jesus knows that people matter more than buildings. No matter who you are, you are more important than anything else to Jesus. Jesus knew that there were two miracles that were going to happen as a result of this skylight that was now in the roof. The first miracle was when Jesus said to the man on the mat, Son, your sins are forgiven. That's the greatest miracle in the world. 
that we get to hear, son, your sins are forgiven. Or daughter, your sins are forgiven. As we read through this story, we see that even Jesus himself was criticized. The religious leaders were thinking to themselves, who does he think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And they were right. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, just like he knows what each one of us is thinking right now this morning. And Jesus says to the religious leaders, so why does this bother you? I, the Messiah, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. But talk is cheap. Anybody could say that. So I'll prove it to you by healing this man. Stand up, take your mat, and start walking about. And keep walking, Jesus says. And so the second miracle is that this paralyzed man was healed. I can imagine Jesus looking up at the four that were on that roof, looking down. And He smiles up at them as they are hugging each other because their friend has been healed. You have friends and family who need Jesus? Don't give up on them. Don't give up. Even if you're criticized about it, don't stop enlarging your skylight. Just keep letting them see the light of Jesus. For when Jesus sees our faith, He'll say, that's one of my kids. That's one of mine. I wonder this morning, of all the characters in this wonderful story, which one do you see yourself most like? Maybe you relate to the paralyzed man. You may not be physically paralyzed, or maybe you are, but you are bound by sin and you need to have Jesus forgive and to heal you. Jesus, the doctor, is in this morning waiting to heal. And if we'll come to Him and honestly say that we are in need and we ask Him for His help, He will say to you and to me the same thing He said to that paralyzed man that day. Son, your sins are forgiven. Maybe others this morning see yourself like one of the four friends. You want to open ways for your friends to meet Jesus. Then this morning I'm going to invite you to come and pray for that one that you wrote down on that 3 by 5 card this morning in just a few moments. But there's other people in the story too. They were the ones who were crowding in the house. There's the other two kinds of people there that day. Some were on their way to see Jesus and some were in the way for others to see Jesus. We are either actively bringing people to Jesus or we're basically coming to church to sit and listen and then go home. Aaron and Raymond and Gigi, if you'll make your way up. I've always been fascinated with the ministry of John Wesley. 
He was a pastor in the 1700s, and maybe I would hope most of you know who he is. Most experts agree that there was a particular sermon that Wesley preached. And in 1938, it caused the congregation to explode with growth. Many called it the turning point in the life of the church. The title of the message that day was called Sitting By. He preached about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who were content to sit by as Jesus was performing this miracle. He applied it to followers of Jesus who were always satisfied with just sitting by. That sermon had such a great impact on people that throughout that next week, the members of the church expressed to him that they were no longer willing to sit by and watch a miracle happen. They would become like those four friends who brought someone to Jesus. What do you think would happen this morning if all of us here this morning really made up our minds that we're not going to sit by anymore and let the world go to hell? What would happen next Sunday if we brought this one person What would happen if we brought them to Jesus? God is the boss of the Faith Skylight Company. And He's offering you and He's offering me a new job today. Are you going to work? Are you going to be a part of this company? The pay isn't much. But as we know, the retirement is out of this world. So I'm going to invite you to come. If you want to pray for your person that you brought, I want you to come on this side. Kneel, sit in the pews. But maybe there's something in your life this morning that you need to take care of before we pray for this person. I want you on this side. I'm going to invite you to come as the worship team sings.